Welcome to the Hashtag Hope Wall Podcast with your host, Destiny Davies, proudly brought to you by The Solitude Project, bringing you conversations behind closed doors where others share their stories of love, hope, and inspiration, including the tools they have used to overcome adversities in this journey called life. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Hey guys, it's Destiny here and welcome to episode 25. Today I'd like to introduce you to Stephen John Davies Dawson. Stephen is a 39-year-old who currently lives on the Gold Coast with his partner and fur baby. Stephen is no stranger to illness with multiple diagnoses that started from a very young age and sadly this has continued to follow him as an adult. Today, in episode 25, Stephen will share his story, I'm waiting for a transplant to save my life. So take us on your journey. So hi, my name my name's Stephen, um, and I'm 39 years old, um, and I'm living on the Gold Coast with my partner and my little fur baby, um, Bijon, uh, Pomeranian. Uh, we we did have another little guy named Bachi who um, unfortunately died on um, Christmas Day. He choked, um, so that was rather um, traumatic, and um, you know, and with um, being in lockdown and everything. Um, yeah, just really hit hard. Um, and basically my, my journey is that, um, so I've had diabetes since I was um, 16, type one. Um, so insulin dependent. Um, I was pretty big child, <laughs> like 120 kilos at 14. Um, got the diabetes and lost a lot of weight um, right down to um, like 70, I think it was about 78 kilos. Um, and so started on the um, the insulin pump um, and basically have been managing my diabetes since, as I said, I was 16. Um, when I was um, 18, I was also diagnosed with celiac disease. So that's obviously been a challenge um, over the years with um, trying to eat a gluten-free diet. Um, must admit that over the years, um, the foods actually improved a lot, especially the bread. Going back to when I first was diagnosed, it was more um, a brick. <laughs> now there's some pretty good options out there. Um, as I said, the celiac is only just managed by by diet. So um, I'm generally pretty good at home. It's more just when you go out for meals and stuff, you know, trying to be careful to, um, you know, make sure you eat something, otherwise you pay the consequences afterwards. Um, on my 21st birthday, so it's kind of a pattern here, 16, 18, 21, um, I got diagnosed with glandular fever um, and I was really, really sick and um, went all the way down to 49 kilos. Um, and if it wasn't for one of my good friends in New Zealand, who, yes, I'm originally from New Zealand, um, from Papamoa, grew up there. Um, if it wasn't for a very good friend there, I probably would have died then because I just had no energy and she dragged me out of the house kicking and screaming um, to get a bit of sunshine every day um basically um yeah i um once i sort of got over that and basically just you know finished like studying and everything um i came to australia in 2004 i actually moved um 
to Western Australia and lived in Perth with my partner's um, family at the time. Um, and I did three years actually um, in Perth. So I still, you know, obviously managing my diabetes and everything as best I could. Um, I then moved to the Gold Coast um, and it's only just been in the last six years that um, due to my diabetes, um, I've been um, diagnosed with um, kidney failure. So with my kidney failure, um, it's slowly been declining over the last six years and it's been managed by um, a cocktail of medications, um, mostly blood pressure tablets um, and basically just steadily over the last few years it's slowly um, declined. Um, I um, at, Currently it's sitting at around two to three percent my kidney function. Um, I have been activated on the kidney pancreas transplant list. So a little bit about my transplant is that um, because I'm diabetic, I do need a kidney and a pancreas. Um, they won't just do a kidney transplant because obviously my, my diabetes will then continue to um, reject and attack that kidney. So by doing a kidney and a pancreas transplant, um, I'll no longer be diabetic. I will still have obviously kidney disease because the transplant is just an alternative treatment, it's not a cure. And of course I will have to continue to take the anti-rejection medications for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, my kidney function is currently um, around two to three percent. Um, was activated on the transplant list um, about 11 months ago and I was quite high up in the list and earlier this year on the 31st of January we actually got a, um, a call at midnight from the Westmead Hospital in Sydney. So just about that is um, they don't actually do kidney pancreas transplants here in Queensland so I do have to go to Sydney uh, for this procedure for this transplant. Um, so we got the call at midnight to say look we've got a, um, a compatible donor um, we're booking you on a Jetstar flight at 5am the following day. So partner and I didn't get any sleep, frantically um, trying to, um, you know, pack a suitcase last minute. Um, we'd also just only got Bijon, our little Pomeranian puppy, three days before. So we had to um, basically, I'm at two o'clock in the morning knocking on my 80 year old neighbor's door waking her up and getting her out of bed and dumping the, the puppy with with her and saying, look, I'm off to Sydney, I'll be back in 12 weeks. Um, so we, we flew down to Sydney um, the following morning and we got down there and really, really nervous. Um, got down there and they started doing all the, you know, the, the lead up tests and procedures and um, they, you know, took the, the pre-transplant medication and everything, booked in for four o'clock that afternoon to go into surgery. Now, um, as I said before, because it's a pancreas and a kidney, it also has to be from the same person, which would mean that someone unfortunately has lost a loved one, um, the person's passed on. Um, so this is really a, a magical gift that I would be receiving and life-changing. So um, we, we did a, um, a CT scan and they came in the room and said, look, we're sorry, but 
unfortunately we're not able to do the surgery this afternoon um it's been cancelled um luckily they were able to give the, the organs to someone else locally so they weren't wasted um but unfortunately they had actually found a large cluster of cluster of um, lymph nodes in my stomach and abdomen and it was too risky for them to proceed the uh, with the surgery and the transplant because there were too many uncertainties and the possibility that it could be some sort of cancer so i was really really gutted um we they put us up in a, um, a hotel across the road from the hospital and because they couldn't get us a flight um, home the following day we actually ended up staying two nights in sydney um, before they flew us back to the gold coast um, as i said um, we we tried to make it like turn you know tried to turn it into a sort of you know um, a slightly more pleasant experience, you know, so we looked at it as, okay, so it was a, a two-day little staycation in Sydney. Um, you know, we, it was a practice run. My partner got to suss out all the food joints so that he could, you know, um, <laughs> make sure he was well fed. Um, so yeah, they sent us back to the Gold Coast and um, as I said, really, really, um, heartbreaking, breaking and upset for me. Um, I just went back to my, my daily routine. So I'm working from um, home. I have been since March last year. Um, working from home, um, I work in customer care. And so on the phones and the computer, um, got back to the Gold Coast and was pretty quickly seen by the, um, the Gold Coast Union Hospital again uh, with some follow-up um, biopsies and tests. Um, which fortunately came back clear. Um, they they weren't cancer, so that was a, a huge relief for me. They're still unknown what they are, um, but the level of concern is not is not there. And since then, I've actually been reactivated back on the transplant list. Um, I've been told that I'm very high up, and hopefully, you know could get a call again any time, any day. Um, unfortunately, since February, and this is what I was really hoping um, not to happen, but unfortunately, um, since um, coming back from Sydney, before going down, my kidney function was around 34%. Um, as I said, now it's about two or 3%. So with that huge decline, um, I became, I've, I've been, become very, very sick, um, nauseous, um, just, lack of energy, um, just really, really ill. So I did have to start dialysis. Um, so currently I'm starting dialysis. Uh, I'm doing dialysis um, four times a day and that was from the 31st of March. So, uh, sorry, 31st of May. Um, so I'm doing the, the PD um, dialysis. So I've actually got a catheter in my stomach, which I drain fluid in and out of clean fluid and um, the, the waste fluid out. And I do that four times a day. So it's it's very time consuming. I'm very fortunate that I can work from home and still do dialysis. Um, I must admit it is getting a bit more of a struggle trying to work full time the way I'm feeling. Um, but with the dialysis, it is helping. Um, I'm seeing my, my kidney specialist regularly um, to just get updates to see how the dialysis is going. Um, and things look like they're, they're working well. Um, and it's just a matter now of sort of waiting for another call to 
um, another donor to become available. I am concerned with obviously um, with COVID. Um, I mean, hence that that's really why I'm working from home just for my own safety. But I guess also with the current outbreak and everything in Sydney, um, the hospital has told me that the transplant rate has slowed right down. So. I could potentially be on dialysis for a while. Um, so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a daily challenge. Um, to throw on top of all of that, um, the, the place that we're, um, we're renting in, um, the owners just sold the property. Unfortunately, we do have to move. So um, it's a bit hard trying to find a, um, a rental property at the moment here on the Gold Coast with um, so much um, shortage of properties and demand for people, you know, wanting to rent. So, and then throwing in a pet as well. Um, it's, it's making it a little bit difficult. So stress levels are sort of a bit through the roof and um, yeah, but I know like we'll, we'll get there. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I've written down some of the things that you shared about, you know, obviously diabetes since you were young. And then you got celiac disease. So, you know, eating the gluten-free. You got glandular fever. Just about died from that. But your friend made you, you know, forced you out of the house, kicking and screaming to get some sunshine. Kidney failure, like, oh my God, you know even the thinking it back to the transplant and getting that call and obviously the anticipation of that and what that would have meant like yes you would have had to recover but knowing what that is going to mean for your life moving forward like what I know that you see that you've looked at it in a positive light because what else can you do and I love that perspective but the moment that they said to you no we can't proceed because we've found these lymph nodes like can you take us back to that particular point and share like what were the things were you thinking at that particular point in time um i was really i was i was angry um and i was upset and i think i took it out a bit on my partner um i really just like i had a um like a a drip uh, not a, a drip but like a um, a cannula in my arm for them to be taking all the blood samples from. I just wanted to rip it out of my arm. I just wanted to walk out of the hospital. Um, obviously, I could only go to the hotel. I re- really just wanted to to come back home and shut myself away. I was that upset and, you know, thinking I was so close um, to getting that life-changing thing, uh, surgery, uh, transplant, um, that, yeah, I just, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was upset. It was a mixed emotions, a mixture of anger, sadness. Yeah, I just, my main thing was, I really just wanted to get out of that hospital and um, I I don't smoke um, (laughs) and I never have, but my partner does. And I just really wanted to get out of there. And I really just wanted to have a puff of a cigarette because I was just like, not that I did, um, because I knew obviously that's not gonna be the right thing to do, but um, I just wanted to, you know, get out of that place um, and just, yeah, shut myself away from everyone. And that is like fair enough to say that. Gosh, I just, So then you obviously leave. And as you see, like you and your partner, you looked at the bright side of things. How did you like, obviously you knew like, okay, we're coming back. The plan has not gone ahead. Like what kind of things or tools do you use to keep yourself in in a hopeful 
mindset I suppose it is or in the space of hope like what kind of things do you do to keep you along that because it'd be from what I'm hearing really difficult given even every single day like I've got another question too about the dialysis and like how long that takes for you and even you know what you experience when you're going through that what is that like for you and how do you find hope even though you're in that space um I think that um it's great that I've got a very supportive partner like um I think that it would be completely different if I didn't have him in my life my fiance um really really supportive and does absolutely everything for me um Bijan, as I said, our seven-month-old puppy, I get to spend, you know, every day at home with him working, uh, whereas if I was in the office, I wouldn't. So, you know, he's he's very affectionate, so that um, helps. I've got a great friend network, um, really supportive friends and colleagues. Uh, with the, I mean, with my dialysis, um, it does feel a bit like when I'm doing it, um, and I'm just sitting up in the room and I'm like, you know, I'm on my tablet or, you know, watching something. Um, it does feel a bit isolated because obviously I have to be, you know, in a closed room because I can't have, um, you know, Bijan with me because um, of the potential for fur or something to get on the tubing or need to catch an infection or something. It's very high risk. Um, so it does sort of feel like, you know, I'm isolated while they're downstairs doing their thing. I'm in here by myself. Um, the dialysis itself, um, it takes about 30 to 40 minutes per session, um, really depending on how well it drops in and out but on I'd say about 30 to 40 minutes and that's four times a day um, as I said with the testing that I'm getting done the blood tests and the regular testing they're monitoring to see how well it's clearing the toxins from my um, my body and as I'm fairly new to this it, it may increase to five bags a day or if this isn't proving to work the alternative is that um, I would have to connect myself to a dialysis, dialysis machine every night when I go to bed and I'd have to be connected to the machine for at least nine hours every night. So I chose this option, although four to five times a day, um, I chose this option because I don't want to feel like I'm tied to a machine at night if I need to get up and move around. Um, it just gives me a bit more... It's. I just prefer prefer this, so hopefully I won't need to go down that path of doing the overnight one. Um, but as I said, if, if it's going to be better for me and improve it, then obviously I'll I'll do that. I did forget to mention one other thing as well, which is pretty big, um, is that with everything that's going on with you know the the diabetes and everything else, um, I've had a lot of issues with my eyes as well. Um, with the 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 changes in my sugar levels and also the dialysis fluid has a lot of sugar so this um, basically um, brings on another challenge as well because here I am trying to keep my sugar levels under control and then I'm putting um, the dialysis bags are one and a half litres um, so it's one and a half litres that go into my stomach and they sit there for four to five hours before I drain it out and then drain another bag in so I'm always carrying an extra 1.5 litres of fluid on me in my stomach when I've got the dialysis fluid in um, and because it's got so much sugar in it it's 
um, causing havoc with my sugar levels. So um, I'm trying to get funding for the CGM, the continuous glucose monitoring to um, help better my sugar levels. Um, but yeah, with all this going on, my my eyes have been playing up and I've actually been having for the last um, couple of years, I've, every couple of months, I have to have injections in my eyes. And I know that sounds really horrible. Oh I've had a, yeah, I've had a bout of laser and I've also had been having the injections. And oh. I know this sounds funny, but if I had the option to have either laser again or injections, I would actually pick the injections over the laser. Oh. And the reason I say that, <laughs> which people are probably thinking, oh my God, you weirdo. <laughs> Why would you say you want needles in your eyes? Um, the the laser, if you imagine those um, bug zapping insect lights um, that the bugs fly into and it zaps, the laser kind of sounded like that. And it was oh. sort of like um, someone flicking a lighter at your eye. And it really, gave you the worst migraine afterwards and it was really sore on your eyes. The injections, um, because they put so many drops in your eyes and they numb them completely, um, the the needle, you don't actually even feel it. It's as if someone's touching a, um, your eyeball just lightly with a cotton tip. Um, and I'm not sure if amazing. I believe this, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I did have against it was when um, one time I went to go and have it done and it was a student and I'm all for students taking my blood and, you know, doing what they need to. But one thing I didn't feel comfortable was them, you know, putting a needle in my eye. So um, I, they can practice on something else. But um, <laughs> like I said, it's it's amazing what um, they can do with the eyes and how it's improving my eyesight because I think if I hadn't been doing this and had such a good team at the hospital you know um I probably wouldn't be able to drive able to drive anymore um you know I just wouldn't be able to do what I can um and obviously we need our eyes they're very important so <laughs> um I just got to really thank everyone at the Gold Coast Hospital that um you know all my medical team that are there for me and do such a great job every day hmm. <clears throat> oh my gosh you just i feel like don't add any more things because this is this, okay. this is so fun yeah. no, <laughs> no if there is one just think i see i can't even say anything it's um oh, just the, the part, <laughs> things that you've shared even just thinking about the eyeballs like a yeah I, I still don't know about what you said but um i suppose yeah. one of the the last questions I have before we wrap up is looking back to I suppose when this I don't know where to say because you've been through quite a few things here um even I suppose all of, we've got the diabetes the celiac glandular fever and then the kidney failure like of all of the different things you've already gone through which one would you say has been has impacted you the most now i know that they kind of interconnect um just from what you've shared like the cause and effect of like having you know going through the dialysis and now it's affecting your diabetes but which one would you say is impacting you the most right now right now yeah. um right now would have to be the dialysis i mean it's the diabetes that has caused all of this um but right now 
the dialysis is probably what's impacting me the most because as I said it it is very time consuming there was a lot of learning involved there's a lot of potential to go wrong especially around infection and having to have the full concentration when when I'm doing it because you know I can sit there while the bag's draining in or out fine but when I'm disconnecting from the bag and hooking you know putting the cap back on my tube which is going into my stomach there's just so much potential where you can get infection and end up in hospital really sick so um, I think just also the fact of just having to you know make the time to do it as well like I can be sitting downstairs watching a movie and then it's like I've got to go upstairs and do dialysis Um, and you know it just also you know when we go somewhere we just have to be mindful that okay well um, I need to be back within four four to five hours um, so that I can change the bag out because if I leave it in for too long it's it's going to start reabsorbing into my body and so it's in in return going to just make me even sicker because the chemicals are just going back into me so um yeah I guess it's just trying to make um changes you know it's a new it's it's the next step in my journey um I knew that dialysis was you know going to happen one day if I didn't get the transplant beforehand and we've just had to transition into it and it's now part of you know my daily routine yeah so going back to just before you you know you found out that you had to or sorry that dialysis was an option or going down the pathway like you said of being connected to a machine at night time for nine hours going back to the moment that you were told that and knowing what you know now uh, with the experience you're still currently going through what piece of advice would you give to yourself who is about to be given that given that information or you know those options what would you say to yourself back then um trust the doctors they know what they're what they're talking about and what they're doing um and yeah just know that they're they're capable and I think as I was always scared of doing dialysis um but after you know reaching that point where I just felt so sick um the dialysis even though it is a you know a physical thing I have to do every day and it can be a you know a bit of a drain it's um definitely making me feel a lot better than what I have um in the last few weeks it's given me a bit more energy um knowing that I've been called down once for a transplant I know I now know that actually the list does move and they Mm. you know there's I'm not going to be sitting on there for years and years and that there's hope for me there that I know you know next time I get the call up you know hopefully it'll all go ahead and nothing will you know be wrong with the donor organs or anything like that um yeah I I love that outlook and um just before we wrap up I suppose is there any way um or could you share with the audience any way that we can help support you um at this point in time at all uh so I have um started a GoFundMe page um and that's sort of just to get um some fundraising um to help with the CGM which is continuous glucose monitoring um because they are um a hundred dollars um each the 
the little scanners that go on my arm. Um, and yes, they are funded for particular individuals. Unfortunately, because I do work, um, I don't meet the, the criteria, so I don't have a healthcare card or anything like that or Centrelink um, benefit. Um, so I don't actually get any subsidy on them at all. Um, also, the, the fundraiser was sort of just to share my story as well. I'm going to update it regularly and it has a lot of information on there about what I'm going through and regular updates. Um, and it's also just to help. So, you know, obviously when I do go down to Sydney for the transplant and I have to be down there for 12 weeks, bills are still going to continue. I'm still going to have to pay rent here on the Gold Coast. Um, and, you know, I just need to have some sort of... Um, reassurance that everything's going to be you know all right um i also am having a bit of issues with my insulin pump at the moment and i'm hoping to work through that with the um the hospital because it's out of warranty and they won't um help me the company so i'm just as i said i'm just trying to raise a few funds um it is a gofundme page and if you go to gofundme.com forward slash hope and then the number four and Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N. Um, and if you want to just follow me, read my story, even share, there's no need to donate. Um, but if you feel like it, you can. Um, but yeah, just follow me, read my story. And yeah, if you can share it with others, um, yeah, I'd really appreciate it. I am so thankful to have you on the Hashtag Hopeful podcast, Stephen. Um, I suppose the main theme I heard hearing all of these I just think wow like different things that you've gone through and still up against waiting for this transplant I love that you said when you're speaking um you know when I do go down to Sydney because it's like you're speaking it into your future and I love that because I also believe that's going to happen for you too um and then but then there's another obviously um side to the journey the recovery side to the journey but as Stephen said uh if you would like to support Stephen by donating or even sharing his story please check out his page gofundme.com forward slash hope for Stephen if you have any questions at all for Stephen please feel free to get in contact with me and I will pass it on otherwise thank you very much for your time Stephen and we wish you the best moving forward keep us updated on what happens next my pleasure thank you if you are going through something similar I would encourage you to reach out whether that's to family friends or colleagues if you don't have anybody inside your immediate network you can speak to, you could also try Facebook groups if you're on social media. Alternatively, you can visit your local GP to request a referral to see a counsellor or a psychologist. You don't need to go through these things alone. If you would like to support Stephen by donating towards his cause or sharing his message, please feel free to check out gofundme.com forward slash hope for Stephen. Thank you for listening to the hashtag hope wall podcast with your host, Destiny Davies. Check out our messages on hashtag hope wall via the solitude project.com.